world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Dobbenmeyer. Hey, did we lose coach? Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Clay. Hey, how are you doing this morning, Charles? I'm doing fine. Way out here in Oklahoma. We're great. Well, yesterday we had a great show. If everybody tuned into it, Charles Jennings from Truth in History is here with us. And we had a great discussion about the Bible. And a lot of questions were asked to, to Mr. Charles about things that uh, a lot of us are not familiar with that Charles done some deep study in. And uh, we're going to rejoin with uh, Charles Jennings this morning and have another great study. So, Charles, uh, welcome back, brother. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm not sure exactly where Coach wanted to uh, start back in. So uh, you want to you wanna let us know where you were at yesterday and, Pick up from there, bro. Where, where'd Coach go? Well, I think he probably lost his internet connection temporarily. Uh-oh. Hopefully he'll be back here shortly. Yeah. Well, yesterday, what we did, uh, Coach kind of led us in, a, in the direction of Jews, Israel, Hebrew, Shemite. And I sent him a packet of information. And what it was, it was a chart to denote that Shem had several children. He was, you know, Shem was one of the sons of Noah. And he had one, two, three, four, five sons. So they all had to be Shemites not just Jews. So the term Shemite does not just apply to the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Israel, and then later on the Jews. It applies, the term Shem applies to all of these people. Uh, The Aramaic people, the people from Lud, whoever they are, and our Faxad, the Assyrians, the Elamites, they're all Shemites. So that means that the people from Shem coming on down to Abraham and all of Abraham's children would be Shemites, Hagar, which would be the Arabs. Even the Arabs are 
Shemites. So if you say something against the Arabs, well, you're saying something that's anti-Semitic. If you say something against the Anglo-Saxons, that's anti-Semitic. So the, the term anti-Semitic that has been used is nothing but a political weapon that has been used against anybody that would say anything about the Jews, whether it be true or not. Even the Southern Baptist Convention several years ago launched a campaign to win the Jewish people to Christ. And the Jews came back and said, if you are trying to make us proselytes to Christianity, you're anti-Semitic. So anybody could be anti-Semitic if they say something that the ADL doesn't like. So we're not going to be intimidated. We should not be intimidated by the fact that we say something that's true about the Jewish people or any other people. Um, look, at we talk about our own people. When they're, when they're doing something wrong. Well, Charles, let me just ask you, uh, do you have any, spec? can you speculate at all as to why they would want to, want to do that and make it to where we're focusing on, on, uh, anti-Semitism strictly towards one section of the Jews instead of everyone? Well, as I mentioned before, it's a political weapon. And if they can use that to intimidate people, then they can make them hush. They can make them be quiet. Because, uh, you know, these, these days, if you say something um, about the black people, you're a racist. Well, that's just another term to make the opposition be quiet. That's, that's all that is. And besides, it is a moneymaker. Anti-Semitism is a moneymaker. Now, there's, a, there's several books that I would like to take a few minutes and introduce to us. You know, these days, um, there's this big push, and we've all heard it, that about the phrase Judeo-Christian culture. But there is no such thing as a Judeo-Christian culture. There's a Hebrew Christian culture or an Israelite Christian culture because Jew and Israelite are two different things. But I have a book right here written and I'd like I'd like to just hold these up. I'm not selling these books, but it's they're good resources. A little book that I came across several years ago entitled Judaism and Christianity, the Differences by Trudy Wise Rose Marin. And that is uh she was a uh Jewish theologian. And she points out the differences the vast differences 
between Judaism and Christianity. And there is no there is no commonality between the two religions. And I don't know why in the world our so many of our evangelical Christian people today want to be as Jewish as possible. Amen. And wear the, you know, the skull cap and the shawl and try to speak Jewish or Yiddish really is what it is as much as possible. When we have, there is no commonality between the tr- the two religions. And this theologian points it out. Um, also, I have another book here entitled, and I would recommend that people, if you're, if you're a reader, I would recommend that you try to find this book. It's called The Six-Pointed Star, Research Proves It's Pagan by O.J. Graham. So on the back, this is what it says. The author is a Christian journalist of Jewish ancestry with earned doctrines in earned doctrines in ministry and theology. In other words, this person has researched this six-pointed star, and it is not Christian. It's really not even Jewish. The Jews just adopted it, but it has pagan origin. And well, it's a mystical symbol. It's that's what it is. It's a mystical symbol, just like the swastika. It goes all the way back hundreds of years. But you notice even in many Christian churches, they fly the American flag and they fly, they fly the Israeli flag. Why, why, you know, why fly the flag of a foreign nation in your church or your school or wherever? That's how much propaganda that has been, you know, used against the American people. And really, as the old saying goes, follow the money. And, you know, they they fly this flag. uh, And really, they're Christians. So many Christians are actually promoting paganism when they use this six-pointed star. And Charles, let me mention this real quick, if you don't mind. Sure. I went to a church the other night uh, to a meeting, and they had the uh, John Birch Society uh, speaker there. And it's one of the most, uh, in, in our area, it's one of the most, I guess, uh, churches that are awake to what's going on and aware that, that, that you know, that the state of America and what needs to be done and everything. But they started off the meeting which was, it was called the Patriot Brigade meeting, the Patriot okay. Brigade meeting at this church. And it was on a Thursday night. So it wasn't on a night where they had the, you know, the congregation meeting for worship. But like I say, the John Birch Society speaker was there, but they started off the meeting 
by saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, which was standing on the stage behind the podium and with the gold fringe around it. Mm. Now, what, what was really disheartening to me was the fact that uh, one of the churches that are, is willing to try to speak up and do something about the problems that we're having in this country and in this world and uh, further the kingdom of God is just what you said, standing up and saying the Pledge of Allegiance to a flag that's got the gold fringe around it. It, 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 why didn't we say a pledge of allegiance to the Christian flag if we were going to say a flag to anything? Yeah. It just didn't make any sense to me, and, and I'm with you on that. Uh, the, I think the churches uh, need to, if if they're talking about separation of church and states all these years, why are the churches uh, displaying the flag of the Corporation of the United States of America in their in their church houses? Well, you probably know more about that flag than I do, but I understand that's a maritime flag. And it is really, uh, like you say, a flag of a corporation. And really, this, this is really not on the subject that Coach wanted us to talk about, but, and, and I hope I don't get any get in any trouble with anybody but folks i quit pledging my allegiance to the american flag 30 years ago because you're pledging your allegiance to the state i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states and to the republic for which it stands well the uh, we're no longer a republic we're not we're no longer a constitutional republic we are an empire and we are not i am i'm not going to pledge my allegiance to an international empire we're just as bad as ancient rome or babylon or medo persia um we beat up on people around the world um we extend our forces of military might on people that well if they don't like us or we don't like them we just go beat up on them now look what the cia has done many times so we are living in an empire and for a church to to have that flag and especially with the gold trim so um it's we american people we christian people and I hate to say this, and don't take it wrong, but generally, we Christian people are the most ignorant people on the planet. Amen. I hear you. And I'm glad to hear you say that, Charles, because uh, because I didn't pl- say the Pledge of Allegiance. I was like you. Everybody, I was probably the only one in the whole church house that didn't say the Pledge of Allegiance to that gold fringe flag. Yeah. Let me, can I? Hey, please, coach is back. There he is. I'm back. Spencer, if you can, get me over on my big screen. I'm stuck over here. I don't know why. This is all interesting. However, this is kind of off to- topic, okay? It is. It okay. is. Okay, so I don't I don't want to conflate things. Again, I don't know. The internet, my internet goes down. Who would have thunk it, right? So, so Pastor Charles, here's what I, I'm going to get out of the way because you sent me some great stuff that I have with me today. I want you to 
I want you, if you can, Pastor Jennings, this morning, um, let's talk about the diaspora. Or, as folks, you know that the 12 tribes were, boom, we know they were scattered, right? And right. I, want, I, want, I want to work off of this premise right here, because this is going to make everybody out there extremely nervous, all right? Well, I want you to ask yourself this. If, if, we, if God's people were to take the gospel to the whole world, which is what we were called to do, Take the gospel to the whole world. I wanted you to ask, see, you guys, your brain is stuck. You've been programmed. Your brain is stuck. We think race, 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 right? Uh, no, 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 no. No, it's not about that. There were 12 tribes, all of them, uh, the chosen people of Almighty God. But Charles Jennings, would I be wrong to say today, are you sitting down, friends, that the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant is the one who took the gospel to the world. Would I be wrong in saying that, Pastor Jennings? No, not at all. It, wasn't, mean, it, wasn't, it wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the tribe of Dan. It was the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants who, by the way, went over the Caucasus Mountains in, in their diaspora. When they, were, when they were spread, they went over the, they went over the Caucasus Mountains and ended up and over in England, Europe, being called Caucasians. Is that, is that, am I tracking? That's, okay? that's correct. That's correct. Okay. So if, if the Jews, whoever call it the Jews, if the tribe of Judah or the tribe of Dan or the tribe of Naphtali, whoever it would be, if their job was to take the gospel of the kingdom to the whole world, Pastor Jennings, they didn't do a very good job of it, did they? Or did they? Or and who is responsible for the United States of America being here? Could it be someone who took the gospel from Israel up through the Caucasus Mountains into Great Britain into the? See, we hate to use skin color because it ain't skin color. There are other there are other uh, Caucasians that don't aren't white. That's just a modern creation, right? But who took the gospel? Who got on a boat and so? Sailed to America to bring the gospel to America. Was it was it the Jews, the tribe of Judah? It was these Caucasian. Pastor Jennings, pick up on that one if he can. Did I? Well, when when the Israelites were taken captive by the Assyrian Empire, basically the Assyrian Empire took all twelve tribes. Now some of them. He didn't take all of Judah and all of Benjamin, but he took mainly the northern 10 tribes and part of Levi, Benjamin, and Judah out of the southern kingdom. So they took them into Assyria, and eventually they moved on because the Assyrian Empire was collapsing. That's what the book of Jonah is all about. So anyway, they moved on and they crossed the Caucasus Mountains. Now, these were Israelites. These were Israelites. And they crossed the Caucasus Mountains. And basically, they were a people that were heathen. They had been Gentilized. And then we're, you know, fast forward several hundred years to the time of Christ. And Jesus said, I am sent unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That wow. phrase lost doesn't mean he couldn't find them. It means they were put away in punishment. So the apostle Paul 
I mean, it's it's been proven that the Apostle Paul left the Mediterranean world, caught a Roman ship, sailed up into Great Britain, and landed in Southeast Britain, which was uh, County Kent, came up the River Thames to what we now call the city of London and preached on the very grounds where the uh, St. Paul's Cathedral is today. And okay. there's a statue there and he brought the gospel. Okay. Well, the gospel was accepted. Let me, we inter, we interlock terms. Hey, Spencer or whoever, can you get my screen back over on the, on my, okay, thanks. Oh, thank you, buddy. So Pastor Jen, as you said a word that we hear and we don't even, we can't process this stuff because we've been so programmed. You said they were Israelites. What's an Israelite, Pastor? An, an, what is an Israelite? Yes, as opposed well, to a Jew. What's an but, Israelite? But you see, there was the tribe of Judah in there. because But Judah was only one tribe. Now I'm so, talking about so, the so few Israel, Judahites. Israelites included the tribe of Judah, but the tribe of Judah wasn't exclusively the Israelites. That's right. Are you getting that, folks? You get that? It's like a family tree. Like my yes. grandchildren, some of my grandchildren are Ingemans. Some of them are uh, Cressips, but they're all Daubenmeyers. Yeah. Right? Am, right. am I tracking good here, right? That's right. So I use the term Israelite. That's Daubenmeyer. They're Daubenmeyers and they're Daubenmeyers. They just got a different last name, right? Right. And that's the same thing that we're seeing happened here. So an Israelite is what? Say that for us again, Pastor. An Israelite are the people that were born of the 12 sons of Jacob. Uh, how many of you knew that? How many of you out there knew that? Go ahead. And, and, and you, but you know, the interesting thing about England, when, see, every Caucasian is not an Anglo-Saxon. That's right. They're Slavs, you know, uh, the Polish people. Not slobs. They're, you didn't say with Slavic. There's there's Germanic people, there's Scandinavian people, French. and there French. are Saxons, Angles, Jutes, you know, but hey, all hey, hey, one... hey, Pastor Charles. How many of you out there would say, I didn't know that? I didn't know that. I've been in church my whole life. I didn't know that. Go ahead. You can say it right now. You'll feel better. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't. Go ahead. I didn't know that. (laughs) But you see, basically, the people of English descent, that would be us, are basically the Anglo-Saxon. And they, you know, came to England. Yes, sir. I mean, there's, there's a lot of history in the development of people and the movement of people throughout the ages and especially in Europe. Um, look at the, look how the size of Europe, so many countries in a small area and people moved around and some of them, you know, different families of the Caucasian family mixed with one another. For thousands you know, of years. You're, you're, you're probably part English, part German, but you're all 
of the same race, uh, Caucasian race. And there's, there's uh, the Greeks were Caucasian. I mean, it, this is not just a, uh, just a simple concept of, you know, just my family. It, it's much, much bigger than that. Uh, so, but so but, the, but the gospel was brought to ancient Britain. Joseph of Arimathea actually came to Great Britain. And, you know, let me tell you this little story. In 1996, one of our trips to Great Britain, my wife and I were there and we went to Glastonbury, which is the most ancient religious site in all of Great Britain. And we were walking around there and the Church of England was having their annual pilgrimage. A lot of people there, children, older people having their flags. And there was one man walking around there that had a ministerial suit on. And I asked him, I said, sir, let me ask you a question. I said, tradition, and I've read it in a book called The Drama of the Lost Disciples. I said, I've read where Jesus Christ himself came to these grounds right here where we're where we're walking around on in Glastonbury Cathedral. And the Joseph of Arimathea was here and he said, absolutely, he says, the Church of England has records that Jesus Christ was brought here by his great uncle, Joseph of Arimathea, and they walked these grounds. Well, why did they come to Southwest England in Somerset, uh, Cornwall counties? Because that's where Israelites had previously migrated and they came to their own people. Okay, time out a minute. Time out a minute, folks. Israelites are who? Who are Israelites now? Just the Jews? Are just the Jews Israelites? No, Israelites are anyone of the 12 tribes, right, Pastor Charles? That's right. That's right. But why is it, we'll take it from here, why is it that the Jew, modern day Jew, that's really not even of the tribe of Judah, just, you know, captured this phrase. They hijacked this phrase and said, we are Israel. Well, that's not, that's not true. They can't be all of Israel, even if they were true Judah. They would only be one tribe. Amen. But yet, but yet the Christian churches, these ministers that stand up, they got the alphabet behind their name. They'll say the Jew is all of Israel. Well, how, how dumb, how dumb is that? You know, uh, minister. That would be like me at my family reunion saying only me and my son, who both have the name Dobbenmeyer, we're, on the, we're the real Dobbenmeyers. My daughter, who has the name Ingeman, she's not a real Dobbenmeyer. And my other daughter, who has the name Crescent, she's not a real Dobbenmeyer. You, you understand what they've done to us, folks? Yeah. They, they, they have hijacked the term Israel. Now, Let's let's talk a little about 1948, when the quote Jews founded the state of Israel. They named it wrong. If they were 
of the Judah, why didn't they name the state Judah instead of Israel? That is a big deception. And the Christian ministry in the Western world, especially the United States, they just started calling them Israelites, Israelis, when really the Jews hijacked the term Israel. And now everybody thinks that that's true Israel over there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, I, I don't want to be too hard on the modern Christian church, but the modern Christian church has promoted some very false ideas. And in order to get a real understanding of what's going on in this country, even with the, you know, like the homosexual movement, you have to get outside of the church in order to expose it. That's true. I mean, how many, how many pulpits are you welcome in, coach? Amen. You see? Yeah. Because the church has a paradigm and it's a profitable paradigm. And as long as they can promote their own particular point of view, they're not going to let you in or let me in. Uh, so folks, listen, I, I want to, I want to, I want to open up. Look, I, this, we could go, this is such a deep, deep topic. All right. So deep. And it does in fact shatter what most of us have been taught, which is why it's so hard why it's so easy to think Charles Jennings is a kook, folks. By the way, throw his website up there again, truthinhistory.org. I, I, folks, I just challenge you, just go spend some time on his website, and he produces evidence. Some of the stuff that he sent me, the God, of, uh, the God and people of two covenants, uh, a map of the Dispara, how, how we actually spread, how the gospel spread, how, how it all happened. All kind of, who are the real Jews? What what are the folks? Do you want to know the truth or not? Or do you want to cling to what somebody else told you and understand that everywhere you go today, I'm, Charles, this is hard. Correct me if I'm wrong. Everywhere that you go, the gospel of the kingdom of God was originally planted there by someone who came probably out of Britain and out of that area. Would that, would that be safe to say, Pastor Charles? That's that's true. That is absolutely true. They, they didn't. They, the gospel didn't come out of Israel to the world. Nope. Somehow, it ended, somehow it ended up in Europe and Great Britain. And from Great Britain, the gospel then went to the world. Am I, am I tracking okay? Absolutely. I mean, they have a, you know, the, the whole Northwestern Europe um, accepted the gospel at one time. And that's why it was known as Christendom, Northwestern yeah. Europe. It, it, it included the Dutch and the Scandinavians and so forth. But the gospel, the missionaries from, from Holland, from Germany, England, Scotland, Wales, uh, they went to throughout the world. Now, why is that? There has to be some type of logical <laughs> answer as to why one people became the missionaries of the gospel. And these people who claim to be God's chosen people, 
doesn't even believe in Jesus Christ. Not only that, they didn't take the people who claim to be God's chosen people, or we claim to be God's chosen people. They didn't take the gospel to deep dark Africa, did they? They didn't no. take. They didn't take it to Asia. Who 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 took it? It was. Come on, folks. Come on. Who did? Right. It came That's out. Right. Earthed out of Europe to the world. And what happened? Why Christopher Columbus, who we think was British, he was in Spain. Even yeah. in Spain, he came to America. And what did he bring with him? What did the pilgrims bring with him? They brought the gospel of the kingdom of God. It didn't come out of Israel. It originated in Israel and went to the world, the known world, and then to the other. Am I am I doing okay, Pastor? You're doing fine. That, that That's very true. Well, I'd like to point something out, um, being that there's a war going on over there in the Middle East between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And I, I would just like to recommend that people look up on YouTube a man by the name of Walter L. Hickson, H-I-X-S-O-N. He has written a book, Architects of Repression. And he talks about the influence. And I know this is kind of changing the subject a little bit. The influence of the Israeli lobby in the American Congress. Our American Congress is bought and paid for by the Israeli lobby in the United States. And it's a, uh, also, there's another man called Grant F. Smith. Grant Smith. Um, the, these men are scholars. Also, there's another man by the name of John Mearsheimer. And he's on YouTube also. John Mearsheimer, and it's entitled The Israel Lobby and U.S. Foreign Policy. These books are very informative. They are not anti-Semitic, you know, lamb-blasting Jews and stuff like that. They're scholarly, but they tell us actually why the United States will spend $4 billion with a B, $4 billion a year to the state of Israel and plus military equipment. And also when they have a war, we send them more money and more military equipment. Now we're sending a, a uh, ship over there, an aircraft carrier, but our support is always one-sided. It's because our Congress, which is Democrat and Republican, they're both bought and paid for by the Jewish lobby in the United States. Okay, and folks, that, includes, that includes every candidate that's running for president right now. Let me uh, let me open it up here a second, Pastor Charles. Folks, I want you I want you to Got off to a bad start here because I didn't have internet, okay? So bear, bear with me a second, then I'm going to... There's so, so many different directions we could go. Friends, I want you to think right now. 
if you were our great enemy, I'm not, I'm not naming anybody as our enemy, but if you were our great enemy, wouldn't you want to get America entangled again in overseas conflicts as the borders are open and these people who we do not even know are flooding America? Do we know whether they're Islamic terrorists? Do we know anything about these people that are coming in? Are there Chinese refugees? Are they... Do we have any idea what's going on? And while we're spending all of our time and all of our focus and all of our military and all of our money going over to defend Israel in the Middle East, are we safe and secure here at home? I think it's something that we need to really think deeply about and ask ourselves, why in the hell will we not close the border? Why do we want to protect Ukrainian border, but not the American border? There's something very, Amen. something very crazy going on here in our midst. And what Charles Jennings is telling us, and uh, well, you do your own research. Uh, evil men have crept in unaware is what's happened in America. Sure. And we are being controlled, folks. We're not being controlled by Christian money. No, no, That's no, right. no, no. It ain't Christian money. And see, one, one of the reasons they had to convince us of that is that because, well, heck, the Jews are God's chosen people. When we already know it was all 12 tribes that were God's chosen people. They pulled, they, That's they, right. They pulled a line. Well, you see, C- Coach, this is one reason why a ministry like yours is important. To give a voice to reason. <laughs> to give a voice of truth to people that all they hear when they when they go to the average church this Sunday, what kind of sermon are they going to hear? It will be a one-sided, the church must help defend, send money to Israel. Well, we, we already send $4 billion a year. Pastor Charles, not only that, they say pray for the peace of Jerusalem. How about pray for the peace of America? How about we pray for the peace of Washington, D.C.? Why is it exclusively, folks, for the peace of Jerusalem, right? Because we are controlled. The minds of most ministers are, are have been Judaized. They cannot think for themselves. And we should be praying for America. We should close the border because if if America goes down, just think of this. Imagine a world without the United States. Wow, 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 wow. Just imagine a world without the United States. That means Christian influence is gone. Amen. Law and order is gone. Uh, You know, look at the crime in this country. And yet we can't, we have the strongest, the most sophisticated law enforcement agencies. There are several um, federal law enforcement agencies, and we cannot control our own streets. Borders? (laughs) It's because we don't want to stop crime. I'm convinced our leaders do not want to stop crime. I believe so. Chaos. Chaos. They want chaos. Because the enemy enemy survives best in a complicated, uh, convoluted society. Amen. If everything was Christian, the the enemy would not be able to exist. That's right. 
Christianity brings law and order, folks. There is no law and order because there is no Christ. Let, let me get to some of these folks who are, look, tell us your story, not your life story, okay? Joe Allen, go. Then Myra, go. Coach, when you mentioned the Cosket Mountains, red flags flew up. In that time frame, there was two things going on. How do you get trade going? You send over the religious people over there to get trade to start. That's how you you turn them over to the Christianity, and then you, boom, you hit them with trade. Same thing what's going on today. The, this luxury of me being in the government for 24 years, same thing happens. They send the Red Cross over. What follows the Red Cross? Religious factions. Hmm. Why you got the strict Jews over there praying on a Roman wall. Enough said. <laughs> Amen. Myra. Yes, Coach. Um, I did my homework, and you told us yesterday to think of a question to ask to Pastor Jennings. So my question is, how can anyone witness to a Jew taking in account Romans 11, 8, according as it is written, God have given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they shall not see, and ears that they shall not hear unto this day. And it is written, Romans eleven twenty five. For I will not threaten that ye shall be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye shall be wise in your own conceits that brightness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Well, what does that mean, Charles? Well, Myra, your question was, how do we witness to a Jew in the light of the scriptures? Did, did, did I understand you correctly? Yes, Pastor. According well, to uh, Romans uh, we got it. We 11.25 and uh, Romans 11.8. Yes, can, that is correct. Thank you. Can I, can I uh, be straightforward and blunt? Yes. And I don't have all the answers. But there have been Jews that have been converted to Christ. We will admit that. There's, I, I have no problem with that. But most Jews will not be converted to Christ. They simply will not be. There have been, uh, if you will recall in church history, a man by the name of George Mueller. He had a ministry to the Jews in London for years. He gave it up. And what he did, he went over and started a, an orphanage for little kids in, in England. There have been other ministries to the Jews, and none of them have had great success because these people known as Jews that adhere to Judaism are Jews, but they are not Jews, right? They're not they're, Jews. They're not true Jews. Right. They're fake Jews. And they will not be converted. And we, as Christian people, we may as well just grow up and admit it. Because a lot of these ministries that are, you know, 
Jews for Jesus. Oh, you might win one or two here and there. But these people, once they have been ingrained with Judaism, that Jesus Christ was born of a Roman soldier and Mary was nothing but a prostitute and their hatred runs deep and they will not accept the gospel. So mm -hmm. they, they are, you know, Jesus talked to the Pharisees. Did he say, what did he say to the Pharisees? He even said to them, now the Pharisees were those that adopted the Talmud. See, the Jews do not believe in the Torah. They believe in the Talmud. The Talmud is their sacred book. And Jesus said to them, ye are of your father, the devil. John 8, 44. Now that's pretty powerful. That sure is. <laughs> now what minister would stand up first church downtown first church on a Sunday morning in a real nice air conditioned auditorium and say concerning the Jews, ye are of your father, the devil. Amen. Our, our Lord said that. Amen. He did. You see, we, we've got to grow up in Christianity. We have a paddling. We have a, uh, a baby food, Gerber, Gerber baby food. <laughs> that's being fed to the Christians every Sunday morning. Amen. And that appeals to the pocketbook to support their, you know, their church. Amen. Amen. John Lovin. Let's get John Lovin in here. Okay. John. John, you got to unmute, bud. Roger, go ahead, Rob. We're waiting on John to get unmuted. Charles Rope. Charles, real quick, you're an older gentleman. I'm a few years younger than you. What steps are you taking, if any, to that your ministry will continue past your death? Well, I know a young man that I am turning all my, my uh, electronic material over to him, you know, everything that's on the computer and that type of thing. In fact, he has... He's monitoring my website now, my YouTube, um, all of our electronic material. In other words, all of our books that are um, on electronic files going to him. That way, I'm, I'm glad you have a game plan. I don't want to delve into that, but I'm so glad you have a game plan. Hey, yeah. Man. Hey, there's only there's only one Charles Jennings, right? No, we're we we've we've taken care of that. He's he's uh, in his early 30s, so he's got, you know, 40 years of ministry ahead of him. Amen. John Loving, can you get in? And, and, and really, I, I mentioned to him, his name is Matthew Dyer. And I asked him the other day, I said, Matthew, do you know Coach Dave? <laughs> and he said, I think I've heard of him. And I said, well, you need to contact him because what Matthew does, he has a, uh, he interviews people over the phone. It's audio. And uh, I think coach would be a good guest on his program. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. And, and, you know, because a, a, a ministry like you have, 
coach. Uh, I'm not just trying to put feather in your hat, but you're outside the church. Yes. Outside the organized church world. You wouldn't be able to say this in the local Baptist church or the local Pentecostal church. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. They'd stone. They'd, they'd show you the door yeah. and slam it behind you. And uh, so a ministry like yours, I mean, you may not reach the millions, but the Lord has always had a remnant, a remnant of truth. Amen. Amen. It's all about truth. It's all about truth. John, can you get in, John? Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Uh, you, Coach, you had touched on this yesterday, but there was no real answer. Where did the term Judeo-Christian principles come in? Great question. Where did that come from, Charles? Well, let me show you this book. And I know I'm full of books, but I'm not selling these. But here's a book entitled The Myth of the Judeo-Christian Tradition by Arthur A. Cohen. And you notice these books are written by Jewish scholars. What this scholar is saying is that it is a total myth. So it should be Hebrew Christian. It Hebrew. should be Hebrew Christian. There is no such thing as a Judeo-Christian culture, a Judeo-Christian church. A Jude, it's a oxymoron. Uh, I'm sure that we have all heard of Dr. Gary North. Yes. And he writes this book, The Judeo-Christian Tradition. And he points out, he asks the question in here, would someone find one example of Judeo-Christian tradition in history. There is no such thing. It's a myth. It's been made up and it's for um, propaganda purposes. Pastor Charles, do, do the, do the, I hate to use the term Jews, but that's it. Do the Jews believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Charles? Do the Jews believe in the manifested power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ? No. Well, how could they possibly have the truth then, folks? How could, how could any of us have, know the truth without the power of the Holy Spirit? How could that possibly be? You know what the Apostle John said in his epistle? He said, who is Antichrist? Those that do not believe that Jesus Christ is, man, is God manifested in the flesh. That's what they deny. Now, you know, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it does not matter what I think of the Jews. What really matters is what do the Jews think of Jesus Christ? Amen, brother. Hey, and the Gentiles. What do the Gentiles think about Jesus, right? Huh? See. Look, look, look. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to make an enemy here, Charles. Huh? You can follow all the traditions you want to. You can take, keep all the feasts. You can keep all the holy days. And I'm not saying that that doesn't lead to more abundant life. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do with Jesus? It's all about Jesus. It isn't about any of those Jewish tradition, Hebraic traditions. They're all good, yada, yada, yada. But it's Jesus, folks. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's Amen. the end, right? That's, That's You can't work your way in. You can't. 
You can't say, maybe it puts a smile on God's face when we follow his feast. Maybe it does, but that will not get you a better seat. It won't get you a front row seat in heaven. It has yeah. nothing to do with that, folks. We got we to gotta come to this realization that, the, that he criticized the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Why? He says, you heap on women all these things that they got to follow and all these rules and regulations. And he said, you don't go into the kingdom and you don't let them go in either. That's that's what I see. That's the missing link in all of this and all this religion and Baptist and Lutheran and Methodist and Pentecost, all of it, all of it has to do with the ancillary things that go along with your relationship with Christ. Also, I mean, Jesus Christ is the focus of the book that we read called the Holy Bible. Amen. He is the focus of all history, not the Jewish nation over there in, in Palestine. Amen, brother. Gene, come on it's, in. I mean, the Jews have got a lot of baggage. So does the Protestant world have a lot lie, of baggage. Dude. I got a lot of baggage, Charles. I got you know, a lot the, of baggage. the Roman Catholic Church, a lot of baggage. But what do the Jews think of Jesus Christ? Amen. 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 I just want to add, do you know anything about the Kenites that's mentioned in the Old Testament? Well, Chronicles. I don't know a whole lot about them, but uh, they're they're in there. So I I, I kind of reserve my comment because I don't I don't know a whole lot about yeah, them. Something to stump you, brother. If we stumped Charles Jennings on that one, then we feel like we accomplished something here. This okay, because they have a history of that they were infiltrating into the Israelites during the forty years that they were traveling with them in the wilderness. But I don't know that much about him. I'm just going to bring it up and ask. Yeah, there's not a whole lot about him in the Bible. No, because I was taught that Romans two nine and and Romans three nine or had the uh, uh, the thought that the the church who thought that the, I mean these people who thought they were Jews were actually Kenites who were false it, Jews. I mean, I've I've heard that. Okay. Yeah. I've heard that, and it's a possibility that's that's true. Now, now, when Trump put Jerusalem as uh, uh, the capital, capital, was that political or is that prophesied? I think that's a political stunt. You know, I mean, I'm not against Trump, but but when Trump's running for president, he's a politician. And you do whatever you need to do to win the votes. And he knows on which side the bread is buttered. So he knows that most evangelicals worship Israel. Sorry, folks. That's right. He knows that. So he made a strong move on their behalf. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Keith, come on. Yes. Go ahead, Gene. Keith. I got got Go ahead, Keith. Um, I got the question. Of, well, what happens like to the Jews then if they can't meet Jesus Christ? Then what are they damned forever? What would happen to you if you didn't meet Jesus Christ, Keith? That, that's beside the point. They're Jews, and from what I've heard so far, is that uh, they're they're the enemy of sorts. I I don't understand because it was to the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles that the word would come. So, I mean, this, this doesn't coagulate together, you know, it's, it's kind of separate. 
Charles? Well, that phrase, the gospel to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, you have to place it in the proper chronological context. The, the, the Apostle Paul was living in the first century, and he was saying, I'm going to take the gospel to the Judah nation first, because that's where he lived, in Jerusalem and surrounding area. I'm going to take it to them first, and then I'm going to take it out to the other nations. Mm. Because when he said in the book of Acts twice, chapter 13, chapter 18, he said, I, I'm going to put it in oaky language. When I preached to you Jews and you rejected, then let your blood be on your head because you got you were warned but yet you rejected the savior i'm going to go to the nations or quote to the gentiles that word gentile means nations or ethnos right so he gave them he gave them a chance see the gospel went to the jewish nation first first it went to them first and then to the uttermost parts of the world right that's right so they they and they rejected uh, okay, given that, how do you explain the Jews that are coming to Christ today? And from what I understand, you know, they do accept Jesus Christ. But the funny thing about it is it's usually through another Jew. They don't want to hear the Christian talk about it but because it's, somehow that, the, the Christian that, doesn't understand how that works. Teeth, but listen, the Jew, listen, this is so important to understand. Well, the Jew comes to Jesus the same way you come to Jesus. Oh, yeah. There's only one faith. If you don't come through Jesus Christ, I don't care. You could be white, black, purple, or green, or with polka dots. You can be American and lost. You know, right? But earlier you said that they, that that they they they're not they're not being saved by they're not listening to the to the gospel. No, what he they what, won't well, listen to the gospel. What he said was it's hard. He didn't say they couldn't come. He said that it is hard for. A, a Jew to come to Christ. Oh, listen, listen, we're running, we're running out of time here, Pastor. You know, I want to mention this. I I heard a, a cassette tape of a Jewish rabbi, and this is this is one of the stumbling blocks. This is one of the stumbling blocks in witnessing to a Jewish person. And he said this: you know, the Old Testament teaches monotheism. There's only one God, and when you start when a Christian goes up to a Jew and say, well, there's God, the father, and then Jesus Christ is the second God and the Holy spirit is the third God. That's a stumbling block. Mm. You see, they believe in one God. They were taught one God. Jesus Christ is God. There's, we only serve one God. We're not polytheistic. Folk, folks, Christianity has stressed the Trinity so much that even the rabbis know that the Old Testament teaches that the monotheism, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. So it, it gets muddy. It, 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 gets, it gets really muddy. Most Jews will not accept the Savior, but every now and then, a Jew will get saved. Okay, well, so you, Pastor, let me, let me finish with this thought there, because we're going we're to have to leave here in the first minute, okay? Folks, look. Jewish Judaism is a religion, friends. It is a religion. The Jews 
are of the tribe of Judah, which is one of the 12 tribes who were all God's chosen people. Now, how we ever got to the point where only the Jews were God's chosen people, that's really the debate that we're having here right now. Hey, Pastor Charles, I think you're God's chosen person. I think I'm God's chosen person. I think Gene Schroeder's God's chosen person. I think George McCoy's God's chosen person, right? No Jew, no Greek. It's what the scripture teaches us. Why do we have such a hard time idealizing a set of people who really, Jesus told us, some of them aren't even Jews? Jesus said, right, folks, come on, man. That, that, that's true. I mean, there's there's whole ministries like John Hagee. I mean, constantly he's talking about the Jew is uh, a privileged person. Well, he's no more privileged than anybody else. No. Hey, I'm, hey, Pastor, I'm a Messianic Catholic. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no. I'm a Messianic whatever. I'm a Messianic heathen. Ex Catholic. What? <laughs> whatever. Whatever, right? Why, yeah. why do we why do we glorify these messianic Jews? They're, folks, they're just like me and you. They're people. They're no more chosen of God than I'm chosen of God, than John Loveland's chosen of God, than Charles Jennings' chosen of God. The idea that there's something special about them, I believe, is a great deception. Now, it's a great deception. Now send all the send all the anti-Semitic letters you want to, all the anti-Semitic views. Do that all you want to. I love all of God's people. All of them. I love the ones in the book of in the family of Dan and Naphtali. I love them all. I love them all. I don't just love that special group somehow housed over there in Israel. Uh, I hope you're still friends tomorrow. God bless you, Pastor Charles. Thanks God for God bless you, Coach. Thank and you. God bless everyone. Yeah, go to the folks, truthinhistory.org. Don't you gripe and moan and complain if you haven't done the research, truthinhistory.org. God bless you, folks. See you tomorrow. Thank you very much.